Hey, Chapel Street Church. We have an incredible history of student missions here at Chapel Street. And throughout the years, we've received unbelievable support from you, our church family, in order to help students experience grace, grow in faith, and make an impact as we've served in places such as Milwaukee, Toronto, Mexico, Ecuador, and even last summer, all throughout Kane County on our first ever local student missions week. And I am so excited to announce to you that this summer, we have the opportunity for 90 of our high school students, grades nine through 12, to serve together as one team in one location, Twin Cities, Minnesota. Here's a few members of our team to share more about how you can partner with us as we serve for a week in the Twin Cities beginning on June 20th. Hey Chapel Street Church. Hi Chapel Street Church. Hey Chapel Street Church. Hey Chapel Street, my name is Ella Miller and I'm a part of the Twin Cities Mission Trip team. I'm mostly excited for this trip because I get to have the opportunity to serve people who are not within my community. I can't wait to see how God works through all of us, but also to take the next step in my walk of faith. I can't wait to show God's love to those around us through our actions of service. I'm excited for this trip because this will be my first ever missions trip. We will have the amazing opportunity to be able to serve the local families and children, and I hope that God will use me to bless and love on others this summer. We would love for you, our church family, to pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for us as we serve together in the Twin Cities. We can't wait to come back and share the story how God has worked in and through our team this summer. I just want to say, it does my pastor's heart good to see all of your faces and to hear you singing unmasked and unbridled. Uh, that was beautiful. It was so wonderful to worship our Lord together. So good to see all of you. It is so good to be here. My pastor's heart is full as I watched that student missions video as well. I saw a picture of my daughter and, and my nephew was one of the, the young men who was sharing there. Uh, what a gift that our, our students are back um, going on the road this summer to make an impact for Jesus and to be impacted as well by what they learn and where they see and where they go. They're serious when they ask for your prayer. And uh, just so you know, at the uh, end of the service as you leave, uh, students will be passing out prayer cards for you. These are simply prayer reminders. We ask that you put it someplace visible in your home and pray for them this last week as they prepare. And then also pray for them in the upcoming, uh, the, the following week as they go uh, to Minneapolis and serve in the Twin Cities. So please uh, be, be praying for them in that work. Um, it's been a, a weekend full of celebrating students in my home. My third of four daughters, Emma Catherine, graduated Batavia High School, and uh, we had her graduation party yesterday, and it was uh, a big, wonderful celebration. We're uh, very proud of Emma. Um, Emma went, be, be, uh, joined Batavia High School her junior year, It was there for a semester, and then the world shut down. And so she has waited a long time to, to graduate. And she's worked very hard. I'm very grateful for her, her, her attitude and her example uh, to our family. You know, she, not only did she wait for this time, but as I said, she worked. She worked really hard. She worked hard academically. She worked hard to forge relationships when it was so difficult to do so and to make new friends. And she also worked hard to be salt and light 
um, in her community and, and, and uh, became part of the leadership of Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And so I'm proud for all the, the right reasons uh, for what Emma is doing. She's off to Taylor University in the, in the fall. And she's waited well, and we celebrate her. And I want to celebrate all of the 2021 graduates. This has been quite the year uh, to endure. You know, what's interesting, similar to Emma and similar to high school students, we're going to see that Peter is going to be talking to followers of Jesus in much the same way. You see the followers of Jesus at the time that Peter was writing this second letter, um, they were waiting. They were waiting for persecution to be over. They were waiting for false teachers to stop teaching false things. They were waiting, most importantly, for Jesus to return. And here we are, 2,000 years later, still waiting. We're still waiting as followers of Jesus. Yes, we have a new identity, but we still battle the flesh. We have a hope and a future, but we are still under the burden of living in a fallen world. You see, the Christian life really is a bit like being a high school student. We have enrolled, but we haven't graduated. And we're waiting for that day when Jesus will come or call us home. And we wait. But I want to say, and what I think Peter wants us to hear, is how we wait is of great importance. In fact, how we wait makes all the difference in the world. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 to 18. We are going to finish this series in 2 Peter this morning, and hopefully we will finish well as we talk about finishing well. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 to 18. Let me read that. Hear the word of the Lord. Since all of these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in the lives of of holiness and good godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found in him without spot or blemish, and be at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul, who also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks of them in these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever, now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Well, I ask that you leave your Bibles open. I'm going to be jumping around from verse to verse. Uh, We need to unpack all the things that are going on here. But if you look closely at the uh, verses 12, 13, and 14, you will notice there's a, there's a command, there's a word that is repeated in each of those three verses. It's the word wait. Why don't you take a moment to underline that word? You see, Peter is telling the people who are reading his letter, the followers of Jesus in that time, in light of Jesus coming back, in light of the world being judged and purified, 
in light of the new heavens and the new earth, wait. Wait. What does this word mean? It means to hold on. It means to keep going forward. It means to be expectant. That's what it means, this word wait here. To look forward with expectancy. These are his final words that he wants Christ followers to hear. And these are probably some of the final words that Peter will ever write before he goes to his death. He wants to make sure that followers of Jesus know how to wait well in light of his return. But this attitude of expectancy is accompanied really by right action. And that's why I believe he's talking about three actions that action steps that accompany this expectant idea of waiting well. So the first thing that we need to do that I believe Peter is telling us about waiting well is that if we want to wait well, we need to be godly. Well, that kind of makes sense. That seems like a church answer. No, but Peter's getting at something deeper here. We see this idea in verse 11. Look at verse 11. When Peter asks, what sort of people should we be? Well, we need to be living lives of holiness and godliness in light of the coming day of the Lord. But then also we see it very clearly in verse 14, where Peter actually commands diligence. He commands us to be working hard to be found, what? Without blemish and spot for this coming day of the Lord. And the backdrop for this call to wait is this coming day of the Lord. And the language, the, the, the imagery here is incredibly vivid. And quite honestly, if we, if we stop and, and, and ask ourselves what's going on, it's, it's, it's pretty disturbing. Look at the language in verses 11 and 12. Things will be dissolved. The heavens will be set on fire. Heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. Now, a lot of scholars are to debate what is going on here. Um, the, the imagery of fire can mean a lot of different things in, the, in, the, uh, in Scripture. Um, is the earth being annihilated and judged, or is the earth being transformed and purified? Well, probably a little bit of both. Well, there are cases to be made on both sides of this argument to exactly what's happening, but I don't think Peter is trying to lay out a timeline and give us an exact picture of what's happening. What he wants us to understand is something major will happen, and the world will change drastically. But I also want you to notice what he is focusing on at the end of verse 12. This is very important. Look at the character of the new heavens and the new earth. Look at the end of verse 12. The new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. In which righteousness dwells. After this major upheaval, after this major shift, this major change, where the world is changed forever, everything will be perfect. The new heavens and the new earth will be perfect. They will be physically perfect. There will be no more death. It will be relationally perfect. There will be no more mourning or crying or tears. It will be morally perfect. The righteousness of God dwells there. It will be the way it is supposed to be. So what is Peter saying? In light of Jesus' return, in light of the new heavens and the new earth where we will be dwelling, he tells us to pursue godliness and holiness. We see that in verse 11. Holiness, what is that? It simply means to reflect God's character to be set apart from the way the world lives? And what is godliness? It simply means to reflect the character of God that you've come to know through Jesus. 
And again at verse 14, be diligent to be found without blemish or spot. That is, work hard to stay doctrinally and morally pure. Peter is saying that when you wait well, you work hard to reflect God's character in the broken world. And you work hard to stay doctrinally and morally pure. Well, why do this? Well, first of all, we need to distance ourselves from the decay of this lost and dying world. But more than that, we need to prepare ourselves for the new heavens and the new earth. What better way to prepare ourselves for, to live where righteousness dwells than to begin pursuing righteousness today? Unless we think that this righteousness is manufactured by ourselves and that we can earn our way to this new heavens and new earth, Peter reminds us at the end of uh, the first half of verse 15, and count the patience of God as salvation. Make no mistake, each and every one of us who is saved here today is saved because of God's patience in returning. And we're saved because of God's work that he accomplished when he was first here. So it makes sense that we would, we would have godly work to do while we wait, right? That makes sense. What does this delay do for us? Well, it affords us a couple of opportunities. The delay that, uh, of, of Christ returning affords us the opportunity to be part of his ongoing work of salvation. We have the privilege and the responsibility to work to secure the salvation of other people. Evangelism, sharing the good news that Jesus has come and provided a way back to him through the cross. But it also affirms our own salvation as we stay true to God's truth and we hold on to his promises and we don't give in to the false teachings of our day, it affirms our own salvation. Again, Peter wants Christ's followers to wait well, to wait well by being godly. And what is being godly? Right living before God and right living for the sake of others. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but uh, Peter offers a, a very interesting little aside here in verses 15 and 16, and it really is an aside. He, he, uh, he talks about his fellow apostle, Paul. And he wants us to make sure we get the point. First of all, he wants to remind us that Paul is teaching really the same thing. He also wants to remind us that, that Paul's teachings are misinterpreted and twisted by false teachers. And he wants us to get that in all through his letters... Which, which actually Peter implies are Scripture. That's a very important and interesting point. Um, Paul, Peter implies and gives cre uh, credibility to Paul's writing as Scripture. But he wants to make sure people understand that Paul teaches about the patience of God with us and the need to live holy lives in light of the second coming. Consider Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting, that word again, waiting for our blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem from us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Just like Peter Paul is calling us to live rightly in the present age as, we, as a way to prepare for the age to come. Now, the church I grew up in in Southern California had Titus 2.13 and a big wooden plaque 
going uh, as we came into the sanctuary. And I remember reading that verse all the time, which is waiting for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that was a wonderful thought going into a service, but I wish that 11 through 14 had been there. Because it's really important for us to connect the end of time, to connect the return of Jesus with the present day. You see, proper anticipation of the future return of Jesus leads to proper action on behalf of Jesus today. Let me say that again. Proper anticipation of the future return of Jesus leads to proper action on behalf of Jesus today. As followers of Jesus, we must connect the age to come with the present age. Eschatology, the study of end times, is an important thing to look at. But please understand that good eschatology always leads to good ethics. Right thinking about the world to come should lead to to right living in the present world. And it helps us avoid some common traps. And these are common traps that I see with believers today. As we study eschatology and we ponder the return of Jesus. The first trap is to give up on the world. Since God is coming back, we form a holy huddle. And we, we learn and we grow and we become like Jesus and we let the rest of the world do their thing. They're going to hell anyway. That's not godly. That's not Christ-like. That's not reflecting the heart of the Father who desires that all should come to saving faith. Well, the second trap is the opposite, but just as dangerous. The second trap is to give in to the world. Well, it's been 2,000 years. Is God really coming back? Does it really matter? Is it that important to obey, to obey God's commands? Is that important to pursue a life that pleases him? Yeah, I don't think so. Maybe I should try to solve the world's problems with the world's answers. Again, that's not honoring God. That's not being salt and light. And ultimately, that's not loving people. That's not godly either. So how do Peter and Paul want us to connect the dots between how we view the next world and how we live in this one? Well, the answer, I believe, is to go into the world. We don't give up on the world. We don't give into the world. We go into the world. We go into the world living out God's call to be godly and holy and righteous. We steer clear of decay in this world, and we shine the character of God. We shine his design for all to see. We go into the world living out God's mission to be zealous for evangelism, to join God in his work of patiently saving sinners. We go into the world and work to see God's kingdom come here on earth. A place where righteousness and justice and peace are available to everyone. In the end, and this is what Peter is saying at the end of this letter, at the end of his life, thinking rightly about the age to come, impacts how we should live rightly today. So if we want to wait well, brothers and sisters, we need to be godly. We need to be godly. But Peter adds another layer of waiting as well. This godly waiting is to be accompanied by guarded waiting. Want to wait well? Be guarded. Look at verse 17. You therefore, beloved... Knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Again, Peter is saying if you want to wait well for Christ's return, 
you need to be guarded. This reminds me of a time my wife and I um, were in Yellowstone National Park. It was the summer of 1996, and we were in seminary. We decided to take a few weeks uh, to go explore some national parks. We found ourselves in Yellowstone in a little uh, 1990 Honda Accord, and we were in the Lamar Valley, and we pulled off the side of the road, and we hiked a couple miles in to the point where you couldn't see the road. And uh, as we were hiking, I started to notice some footprints in the path. And then as we were hiking, we, so I started noticing more and more. My wife was noticing them too. And I'm not embellishing. My wife, Layla, is my witness. They were dog prints about this big. This was 1996. And I remember that in 1995, uh, the federal government had decided to reintroduce wolves to Yellowstone National Park, particularly in Lamar Valley. Well, needless to say, the nature of our hike out of Lamar Valley was very different than our hike into Lamar Valley. All of a sudden, uh, there was a whole lot more attention paid to where we were walking. I didn't want to fall down, injure myself. I wanted to make sure my wife knew where she was going and we got out okay. There was also a whole lot more intention of getting out of there. There was a whole lot more attention and intention in our walk. And that's what, what, what Peter is talking about here. He wants us to be intentional and pay attention to our walk. He's asking us to stay on the path that has been laid out for us, to not lose our footing, to be grounded in the truth of God's word. Don't lose sight of who you are following. Don't forget where the path ends, eternal blessings for those who belong to Jesus and those who persist in following his will. So take care, be watchful, be sober-minded. It isn't just enough to be godly if we want to wait well. We must take care that we keep pursuing God and keep obeying God and not be led astray by false teachers or lulled asleep by spiritual complacency. Well, again, Peter, has his back, uh, Peter refers to his friend Paul, and Paul has his back again. Listen to what Timothy, uh, he tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourselves and your hearers. You want to wait well? Be guarded. Keep close watch over your doctrine, what you believe. Keep close watch over your action, how you behave as a believer. You know, what's interesting. Jesus himself um, speaks to this idea of keeping watch. It's, a, it's an incredibly important theme in Scripture. And he tells this story in Matthew chapter 25, in verses 1 through 13. It's the story of the ten virgins. And I would just like to read it for us. It's, it's a long passage, but I'd like to read it for us because I think it's very important for us to get this idea that God wants us to be watchful and, and diligent to be on guard. This is what Jesus says in, in Matthew 25. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, 
They all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is a bridegroom, come to meet him. Then all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there is not enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut. And afterward, the other versions came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open up to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Jesus is teaching us to take responsibility, to take care, to not be lulled to sleep, to be watchful over our doctrine and our lives, to make sure our lamps don't go out. That daily we stay faithful to his commands and that we faithfully live out God's purposes in the world. Or as Peter puts it again in 2 Peter 3 and verse 17, we must take care that we not get carried away by error and lose our own stability. Now if you remember in Peter's letter, he's talking to uh, about false teachers who are saying since Jesus hasn't returned, he's not going to return so you can do whatever you want to do. In the last 2,000 years, there have been lots and lots and lots of ways to be carried away by false teaching in the church, hasn't there? And it's just as easy today, isn't it? We can get so caught up in in fundamentalism of, of adding things to what God has called us to do, adding things to what it means to be a Christian, making requirements that are not in Scripture. And it's interesting, we see that today both on the conservative side and on the progressive side. We can be fundamentalists. We see people adding requirements to the gospel. We see people ignoring parts of Scripture that don't fit their narrative. We see people placing their hope and their identity in things that are other than Jesus Christ. Oh, Church, the the world is still full of false teachers, and the church is still tempted by false teaching. As Christ followers and as a local church, we need to walk carefully. We need to choose to pursue godliness and guardedness about what we believe and how we behave. And I'm so grateful for Chapel Street Church. We are a church that holds Scripture high. We want to follow what it says. And I love all the study that goes on in this room and in our church. But we also want to make an impact. We don't want to hide our light under a bushel. We want to make an impact in our community and beyond. I'm so grateful to be part of that community. That is you. Keep going. Keep going. Keep guarding. Keep guarding. If you want to wait well, be be godly, be guarded. Which leads to the final and probably the most important way in which we can wait well for Jesus' return. If we want to wait well, we should be godly, we should be guarded, but we need to be growing. We need to be growing. We must be growing. Look at verse 18. But grow in the grace of the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. 
The word here really means to keep on growing, to never stop growing. That's the emphasis here. We have to keep going. And really, this is, I think, the glue that holds this whole call of waiting well together. You know, it's interesting. Some uh, scholars will say this verse, verse 18, is really the, the purpose of the entire book. It encapsulates all of what Peter is trying to say. You see, you can, you can be godly, right? But if you stop growing, you will slide back towards ungodliness. You can be guarded, but if you stop growing, you can slide in complacency, and you can even slide away from the faith. It's pretty simple, right? Living things grow. Dead things don't. I often remember what my father told me one time about this subject, and I've held on to it and and shared it with many people. You see, it's not where you're at in your Christian life that matters. It's which way you're headed. And you're always going in one direction or the other. Paul wants us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling because God is the one who works and wills according to his good purposes. We need to be about growing, putting ourselves in in situations and relationships that will help us, spur us on to love and to good works. We need to be growing. It's a goal we strive for. We know it's a condition that we will we'll never arrive until we're in heaven. But this is a goal that we need to strive for. And Peter wants to make sure that we're aware that we need to grow in some very specific areas. First, we need to grow in what? We need to grow in grace. Oh, this is so good for my heart to hear this week. Just a reminder, I'm somebody who tries to earn my merit or favor with God all the time. I need grace. It's the gospel. Grace means that we never stop living the grace that we receive from Jesus. So we receive that grace, and then we never stop extending his grace to those around us. It means we want to grow in our capacity to receive, really, the incomprehensible grace that Jesus offers to us. All the while extending that same grace to others who, by the way, will fail us and hurt us. That is our call. That is how we're to grow in grace. But not simply grace, we're called to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to grow in the one who is patiently, patiently saving us. This knowledge of who he is and what he's accomplished is to be the foundation. It's to be the, the strength and the stability and the place that our, our perseverance is built upon. You see, when we're tempted to give up to persecution or to give in the lies of false teachers or live according to our own designs or purposes, we're called to remember who Jesus is and what he's accomplished on our, on our behalf and how he has called us to live. So waiting well is held together by a commitment to grow. Again, to grow an understanding of what we receive from Jesus and to grow an understanding of who Jesus really is. To keep our eyes fixed on him. To help his kingdom come. To live out godly lives before him and before the world by staying on watch and guarding the truth and the hope that we can only find in him. This is our call, brothers and sisters. And this is what we have to grow in. And notice how Peter finishes. Verse 18. It will give Jesus the glory both now and to the day of eternity. 
You know, this is one of three places in the New Testament where Jesus himself is given the doxology, given the focus, he's the subject. When we wait well, when we're godly and we're guarded, we're growing, we make much of Jesus today, and we make much of Jesus forever. The theologian and pastor R.C. Sproul, if you've heard of him, he's done much for the American church. He, uh, he is with the Lord. He went to, to the Lord in 2017. But he, he wrote something that I want to end with here. I want to end with remembering the glory of the day of the Lord, the glory of the new heavens and the new earth. And as we wait well, I want to give you a picture that, that R.C. Sproul has shared, that he, he, he is a, uh, has for the new heavens and new earth that will help us all wait well and anticipate the glory to come and help us wait well. Speaking of this, this portion of, of 2 Peter, this is what R.C. Sproul says. I look, forward to the, I look forward in the new heavens and the new earth to viewing the unveiled glory of God, to seeing him as he is, to having a vision of blessedness for which my soul was created in the first place and for which your soul was made. Augustine had it right when he said, Almighty God, you have made us for yourself. And our hearts are restless till we find rest in you. As creatures of the living God, we will never experience the fullness of our humanity until we behold his glory. And we are going to behold it in the first day we are there. And it will be unabated the second day and the third day and long past the time when we ever talk about days or months or weeks or years. we will see his glory forever and ever. And there will be nothing in the new heavens and the new earth to hide or diminish his glory. Amen. It is so. That is the vision that Peter wants us to capture. Jesus is returning, and there will be a new heavens and a new earth. And he wants us to wait, to wait, to wait, to wait well. So be godly, not for godliness' sake. Be godly for Jesus' sake, to make much of him today and forever. Be guarded, not so you just protect yourselves, so you protect the body of Christ, so, you, so that God's message will continue forever and Jesus will be glorified forever. And be growing. Be growing in likeness of Jesus. Be growing in likeness of obeying him and in relationship to him and be growing in likeness to how he wants us to relate to the world. Be a light. That is what Peter wants us to get. That is our future. That is our hope. So Chapel Street Church family, let's wait well together. Let's look expectantly to the day when Jesus returns in glory. Let's look past any persecution or wrongs that we may experience. Let's look away from the lies that can lead us astray. And let's live godly. Let's live guarded. And let's live growing lives until we see him face to face. Amen. To God be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for providing us uh, the opportunity to walk with you 
in this earth and to walk with you for all eternity when it will be the way it's supposed to be. Help us as a church family here in 2021 in the Tri-Cities to wait well together for your namesake and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.